When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm experimenting with maybe doing this after games. So we have made this account, the new official first bases account, because we wanted to see, you know, as games get more important as the season goes on, you know, what if we do like instant reaction spaces after big games. But with the direction tomorrow the season's heading in, despite today's win, we don't really know. So we'll, we'll start off um, with a smaller crowd. We'll, we'll just hop right into it. Um, pretty abysmal week for the Marlins. They get the win today, so you feel a little better about that. But prior to today, I dropped six of the last seven. Um, pretty pretty pathetic week in, uh, in multiple aspects. Um, road trip didn't exactly go well last week. I know the Nationals have been a pretty good team as of late. And uh, David Martinez just got that contract extension. They're really clicking on all cylinders right now. And coming into today, they had the same record as the Padres who they traded Juan Soto to last season. But overall, still a bad week for the Marlins. Should not have dropped a series and Nationals. Dropped a very attainable series, in my opinion, to the Padres. They had the game right in their hand yesterday. And as you look at the tweet on the top of your screen, uh, David Robertson pretty much due to in part because of that. Um, removed from the closer role, he'll probably end up being seventh or eighth inner inning guy now. Not unclear today just because he didn't pitch. Tanner Scott in his first game since this news came out. Um, ended up succeeding and saved the game. Uh, two runs today. Jorge Soler, home run. Of course, it's, it's just one win. And the win on Tuesday against the Padres. The rest is pretty bad this week. So, Eli, just your general thoughts from a less than exciting week um, from the Marlins. <laughs> it all starts to me just with the offense. And that even continued in this much-needed win at the very end. That still is the big concern. And we just had an article by Alex Krutchik kind of laying it out how, especially early in games, this team just does not produce much at all, aside from a couple of scattered solo home runs, basically. And today they get a two-run homer for Soler, and that ends up making the difference in the game, that there was somebody on base for that particular moment. But yeah, this, this offense, I thought the moves that they made at the deadline and the good performance you continue to get from Josh Bell and, and Jake Berger, that it was deep enough to avoid a kind of extended stretch like this, where they're just not doing anything, um, especially early in games. And apparently that has not been the case. It's been several guys slumping at the same time, most prominently Luis Arise, just considering how high the bar is that he set for himself. And just on down the line to Joey Wendell and Brian Del La Cruz, a lot of these guys just, um, yeah, they're not getting the runs that they needed. You knew that because of the way they approached the deadline that the fifth rotation spot was going to be kind of messy the rest of the way. And kind of surprisingly that that's the game that they win today is what would have been the fifth rotation spot that is vacant for a while. And they had to bullpen it together. 
and they're able to uh, get it done. So that's one of the aspects you just can't predict about baseball is going into the series. You'd think they're going to win it at least one game, but you'd think this would be the least likely one, and yet they um, they do it uh, because of that. And it comes at a time where a lot of the other wildcard teams are getting their shit together. So it's they've lost ground, finally. We were talking about that first few weeks coming out of the All-Star break, as bad as they were, a lot of the other teams that they were facing directly in that wildcard race were almost as bad during that stretch. And finally, some of those other teams have gotten it together. The Cubs have jumped over them. The Phillies are really pulling away from the, with the first wildcard spot. And then even in the third race for the third one, the Giants are all right. And the Diamondbacks have really caught fire for the most part. So now it's, they have ground to make up. It's still only a little bit of ground. I saw a lot of dramatic overreactions yesterday about how that was the end of the season, how that was the final nail in the coffin. And I don't subscribe to that. I thought maybe if they lost today, you'd have to start asking that question, but it's still just a small gap. The, the issue is they have to play at a really high level the rest of the way. And we just don't have any recent evidence that they're going to be able to do that. Considering the limitations in the offense, the up and down nature of the bullpen and a lot of the finger has to be pointed at David Robertson. He thought this would be the safest pickup that they made in all their trades. The one that was, it would absolutely improve the team just a little bit at a bare minimum. And he has proven to be a liability. When you put that guy in high leverage situations, having somebody that's just a little, having anybody that is not good at their job in high leverage situations, that turns wins into losses, which was obviously the case yesterday. Isaac's here as well. well. We'll get Isaac's thoughts from the week behind us. The week behind us. Uh, I was one of those guys. I didn't necessarily think it was a nail in the coffin like a lot of people did put out there, that it was the final blow, the knockout punch. But I think if they had lost today and finally sunk to below 500, not that that would have been it, but I think that would have been worst-case scenario like I tweeted after yesterday's game. But, man, yeah, it all goes back to the offense, like Eli said, especially against starting pitchers. Eight runs scored against your opponent's starting pitchers in basically five full games worth. That is incredible. That is, wow. And when you have every single guy in your line, maybe aside from Solaire struggling, yeah, because I don't think this lineup is, I don't think the Mons have ever put out a better lineup than they did, for example, today or yesterday in the last five years. And yet they are struggling to score runs. The stars are doing their part. Even Brian Hoeing did his part today. JT Chagua, who opened three times for Tampa Bay, did his part. I think he's someone that we could see if they continue with this opener stuff, depending on you know how well Cueto is feeling uh, in five days from now. We'll see if he can go again to open. But it's just been, I guess, a depressing week for the Marlins. And yeah, in San Diego, they had a game right there for the taking, and they just couldn't score against Seth Lugo and Michael Watkins. It was just a very frustrating road trip, and that frustration continued over to Lone Depot Park in the last two games. But luckily, they salvaged one. They're back to a game over. But they're going to have their work cut out for them with Tampa Bay coming for two games. So, Eli had thrown out some names of guys who've been struggling on offense. Who do you guys think that the blame should go on the most for just the offensive struggles altogether? Because those trade deadline acquisitions in the lineup have done really, really well. Bally showed us stout on the broadcast today that I believe Josh Bell has like the third most solo home runs this year or in some time frame, something like that. But who would you guys point the finger at the most with, with the struggles, especially this month? It's hard to point a finger at any individual batter on this team but 
you like mentioned it, Dela Cruz is struggling, Sanchez is struggling. I thought it was very interesting that Skip, just after two games, you know, went away from having Jazz lead off. I thought that was a horrible idea at the time. And you put him back in the cleanup squad. But a lot of the struggles could, you know, be just the whole team not doing little things like advancing runners from second to third with nobody out. I was very, Tommy Hunt was very critical, and so was I on Jazz failing to do that in yesterday's game. But it's not only Jazz, even though I think he's been struggling mightily as well. But they're just not doing the little things that, you know, like you said, Ron on second base, nobody out. They had Marlon's own score, not even get it to third. Nationals get a guy on second base with two out, and they get him home. So it's just a combination of all the hitters on the team not doing their jobs, in my opinion, not just one player. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. We've seen, just generally speaking, that situational hitting has once again taken a big step back to where it was on and off a lot of the year where it's been limitation with this team. Even yeah, even guys like Jorge Soler, who has been pretty good overall during this bad stretch, um, he's hit 10 home runs in August, and as he's now sixth all-time for single-season home runs with the Marlins. He's also grounded into a bunch more double plays. That That is the one consistent aspect of this team is how shockingly frequently they ground into double plays when in like extinguish their own rallies in a hurry like that. And he's been a part of that. Just about everybody has had a little bit of a role in that aspect of it. Um, yeah, and I don't know, like relative to expectations, Arise is the one that has been underperforming the most in this area. I think depending on how you slice it, this is arguably the worst offensive month that he's had in his big league career for a rise to just not get hits and not get walks, even in the absence of those hits. And his defense has been fine, if not a little better than fine recently, but it's that, that offense that is holding them back. And there are a couple holes on this team. Um, well, I know, I know I know that Isaac shouted out Stallings as one of the guys that's actually looking pretty good at the plate relative to what we've seen from him. Recently, overall, though, both catcher and shortstop, those continue to be really big holes for them that there's just not much you can do there. Are, as we've mentioned on recent spaces, there are guys they could call up to play those positions. But frankly, even those guys wouldn't be surefire upgrades over who they have at those spots. So, yeah, it's just there is still a little bit of limited length to this lineup. And when you also have several of the guys that have been playing every day, also something that's kind of that gives you that perfect storm of mediocrity yeah well said so shifting real quick to one of the better aspects i guess if you could even call it that as of late the the rotation the marlins did make us a change that eli pointed out um earlier today on twitter sandy's gonna go in front of lizardo now in the rotation lizardo is gonna pitch on eight days of rest now um and this is mostly just because we assume that a lot of these pitchers have hit their career high in innings want to keep guys fresh. Sandy's the only one that's really pitched like this deep into a season and had a full workload. So just what are your guys' thoughts on that, the rotation and preservation um, coming down this home stretch here? It's, it's kind of a, yeah, that's where they're in. We've, we've known this, we've seen this coming from a while away. And in fact, it's been, you could say it's been a little bit fortunate for them that Lazardo has been able to make every single scheduled start this year, that Braxton, ever since they put him into the rotation, every single scheduled start with him. And now with, with Yuri, after that very brief quote unquote slump coming back up from the minors, his last two starts have been 
unbelievable and as good as he has ever looked. So he's been, he still looks very fresh coming down the home stretch and they're taking whatever steps they feel they need to take in order to keep those guys at full strength. It's such an inexact science. Um, but, uh, I think all things considered, I mean, the rotation's in decent shape coming down to this point in the year when you have those four guys and we'll see exactly what they get from the fifth spot the rest of this year. So with as long as uh, they look healthy, they're going to stay in this rotation moving forward. And it's uh, people don't want to hear this, but it's a really nice stepping stone for next year as well with them, even if you want to focus a lot on this year for now. It sets up Lazardo in particular. Well, you could say both Lazardo and Braxton. They're both in situations where there's, there'll be zero restrictions heading into 2024 with them. So to have those guys, and that just takes away the need for having to go outside the organization and get a quote-unquote veteran starter. Now that you could argue that Braxton and Lazardo, this is kind of the final step for them to put themselves in that veteran starter tier. This has been an important season for them. And you can, and I think for both of them, it's been a pretty solid season for them. They are certainly part of the solution that has gotten the team to this point. Not even a little bit of inconsistency from Lazardo lately, but yeah, overall, I'm kind of on board with what they're doing. And you got to give some credit; it has worked with Lazardo in particular, given his injury history. I would not have thought he's in a position to start 31 or 32 games in the season, and he is creeping pretty close to that. Any opinions from you, Isaac? No, I thought Eli um, went over pretty well on that. But yeah, that is probably your number one, uh, your best part of your team going into Spring City next year. Is that, you know, four spot of starting pitchers you got, and you don't know what Trevor Rogers will be, and maybe Pat Monteverde is in there to help uh, compete for a rotation spot. And a couple other options uh, for Miami. So, yeah, because you you got to assume, even though Kim said that he's someone that you'd like to have, Solaire might not be here, and you're going to have to use your resources to get some more bats, and they're showing you that they're going to need them. So, yeah, I thought Eli did a good job in describing that one. You mentioned something there at the end. That you, we'll fill some time as well, just because I mean there wasn't much to talk about this week other than the fact that it was abysmal Solaire. Of course, that's the elephant in the room right now. What do you do with him after this season? But with that injury he's had earlier this year, he's getting older. He declined a home run fairly. What do you guys think that that could maybe do to his market value? Is there any shot the Marlins retain him? You guys think at this point, they're still a month away, still got the offseason. It's a relatively weaker free agent market, and it's a very, very big offseason for the Marlins. So there's a chance that maybe they pay up. I don't know. Uh, anyone who has thoughts on that, uh, we'll, we'll just go ahead there. So, Eli, it would max out his player option at $14 million. I don't think that would be enough. And the qualifying offer would be, what, close to $20 million, correct? Yeah, we don't know 100% yet on the qualifying offer. We think it's going to be 20 It might be a little bit higher than that. Last year was 19 and a half. It should be a little higher than last year. Okay, so will a team give... Jorge Soler. Well, he would have to opt out, and then Miami would offer do the qualifying offer. That's that's how it goes. Correct. Okay. So, wait. I, I is there a chance? I don't think he would really be that interested in taking a qualifying offer because you know then he's just gonna have to go right back in the free agent market next year. And is he gonna have a better season than he did this year? Who knows? So I think maybe they just renegotiate maybe a two year deal, another three year deal, perhaps. 
that's maybe 15 AAV. I don't know. That's maybe an option. We did. I did ask him that exact question. Is there, you know, do they, are they willing to renegotiate that deal? And she declined to comment on any contract negotiations, but she did seem somewhat adamant, even if it's just a DH that they do want him back in the future, but they are going to have to pay bell. They are going to have to pay all these guys. So it's going to be really fascinating to see. That's going to be sort of the off season for me. Yeah. So I would, I would be cautiously optimistic that there'd be some sort of exclusive negotiating window there. I really feel if they overwhelmed him with an extension offer right after the season ends, that he might actually take that rather than going to the open market. I'm just skeptical about them making that offer. I think it's pretty black and white. That's going to be a choice between Bell and Solaire. And I've been, I've continued to be in the camp that Bell is staying, that I don't think he's going to test the market. He's just, he is, he's just not as good a player, um, honestly, that as Solaire is when Solaire is healthy, the way that he has been this year, I think Bell is going to stay. And I just don't think the Marlins are going to be willing to commit as much as Solaire is looking for to be a DH as much as they value him. Um, I'm sure they're gonna, they, they would love to have him back at that. Thir- it's going to be a $13 million option, to be clear, is a player option as it's currently set up. They would love to have him at that amount. But if it's going to be 20 or if it's going to be more likely multiple years at in the high teens or right around 20, then I think they're going to get – I don't think they'd be willing to go that far. But we'll see if Bruce Sherman surprises us on that. So you agree that you'd probably be less willing to take that qualifying offer, correct? Uh, yeah, it's looking a little unlikely. I'd have to. He continues to every time it looks like he's slowing down a little bit. He has a stretch where he has right now, where he's not a perfect player, but he's hitting almost all of his hits are home runs these last few weeks, and there's a lot of value in that. The rest of the free agent class around him continues to not look great. I think Matt Chapman entering this year. Matt Chapman was like the number one overall like position player only guy out there, excluding Otani. I think you'd say like entering this year that Matt Chapman was like the, the the biggest competition out there. And he since his good April, he's been a pretty bad offensive player. And you just go down the list, there's just not a lot of guys that are definitely better hitters than Soler is. He is near the very top in terms of overall hitters that are going to be available. It's kind of it's I guess you could say Cody Bellinger has now leapfrogged ahead of Chapman and Bellinger's going to be the biggest name out there. Uh, but there are still a lot of teams that are going to be looking to make acquisitions. And uh, I think Solaire's he's going to be high enough on there where he's definitely going to get multi-year offers that are close, if not even just as high as that qualifying offer. Yeah. And it's worth noting that uh, it was reported by Mitch that there might be some mutual interest from Solaire to want to stay with Miami, but I don't think he's going to, you know, just stay for a hometown discount at all. So that that is worth knowing that you know he might be willing to stay for the, the price is right, but I think we're just a little bit pessimistic that Sherman would be willing to reach that price. Yeah, it is a fair question, and like you guys had said, uh, he's going to be expensive. Got to figure out what you're going to do with Bell. I think a Verize has definitely done enough to deserve an extension. Lozardo maybe. I don't believe so on Jazz, but you got some extensions that need to be given out. Sandy's contract's going to get a little more expensive in a few years. So I would say even right now with how bad the Marlins have been the last couple weeks, especially the last month, month and a half, still enjoy it while it's here. We don't know what's going to happen with these players. And uh, there, there's a month left, I would just say, enjoy the ride and enjoy these players. But the last thing I wanted to get to before we do week ahead and the best part fan questions is September call-ups. 
they're coming really, really soon. I think we'll know who the next couple of players to come up to the roster are by the time we do the next State of the Fish. So we talked about our candidates, and the time has come. Who are your guys' like final two guys you think are going to make the roster? Now, I'm going to say for sure Xavier Average is one of mine. I really don't know what's going to happen with that extra 28th spot, but I would like to hear what you guys have as we're finally getting there towards the, the September call-ups. It's, everybody hates the answer, but that extra last spot is going to be whatever random pitcher they need to fill out their staff. It's not just enough to um, what they're trying to do in terms of limiting the workloads of those young starters, as we've talked about before, like they're going to want and use a 14th pitcher. It's going to be whoever you just look at the staff right now and it's missing Johnny Cueto and Edward Cabrera. Um, So we think that Cueto could be back as soon as he's eligible to come off the IL on September 2nd could be him. And, or if they're really satisfied with what they see with Cabrera soon, it could be him. It's just going to be, it's going to be 14 pitchers and it's not going to be any super sexy new pitcher that we haven't already seen before. They're going to use that spot to lengthen the bullpen a little bit more. Um, And that's it. Um, Sorry, everybody. It's just going to be that. And uh, well, I'm not even totally sure if it's going to be Edwards, probably Xavier Edwards. They'll, I guess they'll continue to look at what Alfaro is doing. As it turns out, Alfaro isn't even playing every day down in AAA. Um, it's been kind of a limited role, so I, I'm not going. I don't think he's necessarily pressing to get called up as a third catcher in there. It's probably going to be Xavier Edwards, and it's probably going to be. It's definitely going to be a, another pitcher. Just when all the pitchers are healthy and available at the same time, I think it's going to be relatively clear cut that way. Looks like we lost Isaac. Well, then again, we'll, we'll get the fan questions quickly here. Um, or we'll, we'll do a week ahead. I appreciate you guys for listening. Different time this week. Um, we want to try and go back to the normal time next week. Oh, we've got Isaac coming back. Hold on. I, I want to hear what he has to say. He's probably in agreement. I would think that maybe they do Eddie. Maybe it's a random reliever. I don't know. Yeah. Isaac. And I mean, the, I guess the most fun random reliever that we could see for the first time is Anthony Maldonado. Um, I don't. That would be a fun reliever. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I guess do they value him a little bit more than Tommy Nance? Maybe the fact that Tommy Nance has now been on the roster for four games and has not pitched, I think that shows you that he's not really a high priority guy. So maybe they do that. Maybe they swap out one pitcher for another. Yeah. But yeah, either way, I as much as they need offense. Uh, I mean, Troy Johnson has nowhere to play right now. Um, I mean, really, the only way they can be bold and shake these up is if they actually cut some of these veterans that aren't doing anything. And I mean, the most obvious one is Joey Wendell, but he, he plays a position at shortstop that I mean, these other options aren't like great fits. Edwards is not a shortstop. Jacob Amaya has not been hitting um, well since his initial cup of coffee in the majors. So that's some... Um, I'd be, I mean, I would encourage that call with that decision with the fact that Wendell is a pending free agent um, and that he has been hitting so badly over the an extended period of time now. I, I think that's probably the appropriate move would be say goodbye to Wendell and just try your luck with the, the guy next man up in the minors. We play Hampson a little bit more at shortstop because at least Hampson has been able to hit somewhat this season. So yeah, that's that's probably a move I'd advocate for at this point with Wendell say goodbye to him, but um, yeah, I'm not super optimistic that they're going to do that. Unfortunately. 
Yeah, and I don't know if I would agree too much with doing that, just because at this stage in the season, he has allegedly been your captain the whole year. He has played superb uh, shortstop. I'm sorry, superb defense at short. And, you know, we're going to go with Birdie and Hampson and maybe Edwards there. I, I don't see them doing that. He is also a left-handed bat, who granted is not doing anything. But I, I don't see them doing that. I'm not sure I would agree with with uh, getting rid of him at this stage. I think in the offseason, he's a free agent anyway. I don't think you're going to get much better production from anyone else at that position in particular. Well, maybe on the defensive side, but on the offensive side, I mean, the only way to go is up at this point. But like I said, right. the, Marlins, the Marlins really, really value like the, those clubhouse guys, which is why I was really surprised they actually cut ties with Gene Segura. We've heard all year that like he was a really good leader and all of that. I was really surprised that they got rid of him. Wendell, at this point in the season, he's been the captain. He's been the vocal leader. He's been the vet. It just doesn't seem like a very Marlins thing to do. No, it doesn't. I'll just point out, the last time, Joey Wendell has not had a multi-hit game since the All-Star break. I kept scrolling and scrolling and looking for it. There's been none. No multi-hit games. For a guy that basically only hits singles and occasional doubles, it's just it's been it's been kind of below the line of acceptable offense. Even if you think even if you think he's an above average defensive shortstop, which I, I'd say he probably has been, but it's so far it's really just not acceptable for a team that is trying to win. And um, even if those next men up aren't like really forcing the issue, it's it doesn't hurt to see what you have in those guys before the end of the season a little bit more get a little bit more intel on either edwards or Amaya in that position but yeah, it's a 400 ops since the all-star break it's just it's i think it is below the line of acceptable performance i'll be you know, the first one to mention that i i was expecting quite a lot from him when he came back from that uh injury earlier this year i thought he was a nice floor raiser i did not imagine that somebody with his track record and ability could be this much of a liability offensively and uh but it's yeah I and mean, things are pretty good i think when you interviewed him for unfiltered i guess that was right around the all-star break things were in pretty good shape i think he had a mini hot streak around there but it's it's kind of the unfiltered curse that's when his production has really cratered offensively unfiltered curse so what have you done to josh bell isaac where is he right now is he okay what do you mean, Josh Bell? The, that was the last unfiltered guess. Yeah. Is he about the slump? Did you do some voodoo magic to him? No. He was actually really hot right after that interview. He had a three-hit game, I want to say. Um, so you reversed right, the script now. Right after that, and then he uh, he homered a few days later. But, yes, it, I actually fooled, I messed around with him. and I think it was in L.A. And I was like, yeah, since unfiltered, you've been scorching the ball. So maybe it was since that. <laughs> yeah. He started uh, struggling a little bit, but no, I think I'm going to stop. I think all of us should stop, including Noah, with having a player guest for the rest of the season, just in case there is any bad juju with that. So maybe we'll stop for a while. Well, he wanted to do a show with David Robertson, and Robertson declined. Um, and we'll, <laughs> see, we'll let you see how that turned out. Yeah, I won't say anything more on that, but he wanted to have him on What a Relief. That would have been, well, you never know how things might have gone differently with. That may have been a sliding doors moment in his Marlins tenure. It, it exists 100%. That, that's what I'll say. All right, let's go week ahead. Um, another one of those um, Citrus series ahead where now with the new schedule format, you're like AL rival or opposite league rival. You play four games against two game splits, and there's a 
a day off before that. Other teams have a day off after, but so somewhat of a shorter week, two gamer against the Rays, and then have to see the Nationals again. I believe that's the last time tomorrow and see the Nationals this year. I think, counting in my head, yeah, I believe it's the final series against the Nats. Um, so just what are you guys really, really looking at coming ahead um, this week? Well, I guess you just got to hope for strong starts from Luzardo and Sandy. These two games, um, you're going to have a couple of days off. Or I guess you get the day off tomorrow, and then I'm looking here. Uh, that's the last, last day off until the following Monday, which is September 4th. So, yeah, you're definitely going to need these guys to go deep, at least give you six. On Sandy's case, you hope for seven. And then, yeah, you got to really make up some ground in those four games in Washington. Luckily, it's four, and I think by then the Nationals' fire will have maybe gone out a little bit. And they won't be as hot. But then right after that, you get Mickey Rojas and the Dodgers coming into Miami. And that's not going to be easy at all. We just remember what Mookie Betts does against the Marlins. Last time the Dodgers were here, he had four home runs and basically three games started. He's making an MVP charge right now. And we know what he did against the Marlins just a week ago. So they really, really have to, at the bare minimum, split that Tampa Bay Rays series. And... Win three out of four. I think if you don't do those two things, then it starts getting ugly, especially considering there really are four other teams that are vying for that same one playoff spot that you are, and they're not losing the way that the Marlins are at this stage. And I don't think they will continue to. I don't think they will be losing the way that the Marlins are right now. So at least win four out of those six. It's a lot to ask, but... I mean, all it takes is one chance to, to catch fire. I don't think today was the, that motivating game. I would love no, to. No, it was not. You, you, you can light incense in the clubhouse all you want. You can fix the juju whatever way you want. It, it hasn't done anything for the offense. Like I said, eight runs scored against starting pitchers in 45 innings. They have to get to the starters. It's, they've been making their lives way too easy, especially Lugo and Walk in San Diego. They knew what the scouting report said, and they were swinging at two-o curveballs. They couldn't wait on Walk's changeup. And it's just, it's a very frustrating, frustrating couple of weeks for Miami's offense right now. It's been awful. Yeah. Every week moving forward, you need to look at it as taking two out of every three games kind of the rest of the year to see where they are in the standings at the moment. What now? One game over 500. And I think we talked about before that the kind of the bare minimum to get a wild card spot will probably be 84 wins. So that would be going. 18 and 13 the rest of the way. Um, yeah, you can't really afford a single week that was quite like this moving forward. And um, yeah, there's it's it's a mixed bag in terms of their upcoming schedule. Yeah, with this Nats team, they should be better than the Nats, though, as, as well as they had been playing in an extended stretch coming into this. From watching this series, it didn't necessarily look like the Nats were anything special. The biggest reason why you could say they won the series is because they got quality starts from all three of their very mid starters in this one. You didn't even face the, like the biggest boys at the top of their rotation. It, it felt more like the Marlins struggling more so than the Nats being anybody that you should be intimidated by. So I am, I'm cautiously optimistic that they can win that series at later in the week. I mean, as for the Rays, they're in this really weird spot. I think overall they've been playing well, even without Wander Franco. And especially offensively, they've continued to be a really good offensive team, um, even in his absence. Certainly fallen off from where they were uh, at the start of the year. And their rotation, at the at this moment, the Rays' rotation is even 
more vulnerable than the Nationals. It's kind of it's Zach Eflin and Tyler Glass now, and then a bunch of suspects uh, along with them. As a, let me take a look at who I don't know if the Rays have announced their starters yet for those two games. It for sure won't be Glass now. I know that he very recently pitched, and I don't think he'll be. Eflin, no, they've, Eflin they've, oh, that's right. Aaron Savali yeah. is the one that they went out of their organ acquired. And Savali has had a great year thus far. You look at the peripherals and it doesn't all look legit for him. Like he is a candidate to regress later in the year, um, even though he has been preventing runs at a really good rate to this point this season. Yeah, so you know, it's, um, yeah, it's a relatively tough matchup um, in terms of the few guys that the Rays do have available to actually start games for them. They'll be coming off an off day, just like the Marlins are. So, yeah, I you got to find a way to split that series, which is – I think that was the case when they went up to Tampa Bay. They had Sandy put the team on his back and steal the second game of that. So, yeah, I think that's what you're realistically hoping for this year is splitting this, – this week is splitting that series with the Rays and then winning three out of four for the Nats. All right, well, enough said there. So we'll head into fan questions now, but before that, of course, as always, we will pitch. Consider becoming a super subscriber, super follower, whatever you want to call it. It is all access to the fish on first everything. It's just $3 a month as the base price. You can always donate more. Uh, most of our super subscribers do, but there's so many benefits to count, but I usually forget them when I start reading them off. All access to the gift database, game notes before every game that comes straight from the team that usually goes out to the media members play fantasy sports with us i don't know what we're doing for fantasy football this year but i would imagine that's coming soon um fantasy baseball as well we have a fish on first subscriber fantasy baseball league one of our super subscribers won our fantasy football league last year you get to do season or series predictions with us um with this year with this season coming to a close there's no chance to win it now but um next year you can always get in on it um giveaways we've given away tickets on these spaces before for super subscribers i mean there's just everything. We always bring it up during these spaces because another benefit is you get first priority to speak in these spaces and ones where we have guests like Craig Mish right before the trade deadline where there's 350 people listening. That's where it becomes really valuable. I'm thinking maybe we start getting some more guests during the off season when we need to fill these shows a little bit better. So I'll consider doing it right now. It is just a measly $3 a month. You can go to fishonfirst.com and it is right there um, at the top of the screen, I believe, Eli. The, the click on and subscribe yeah it's one of the pin it's the tweet at the top of our profile this profile and it's also one of the pin tweets up here in the space there it is um yeah and you could just go to the site and it's right there near the top we do have a special one-time perk as well courtesy of lmf who i know is requesting to talk he's got an autograph card of a mystery player in the marlins organization and to one person that subscribes by, I guess you could say, the end of tonight. Might roll that into tomorrow. We're going to pick one of those people, though. In addition to their super subscriber perks, they're going to get uh, that free card that is mystery player in this Marlins org. So that's courtesy of LMF, who's been one of our loyal super subscribers the entire way. Yeah, aside from that, we're uh, looking forward to doing some cool things in the offseason with that as well. And uh, the prize for that fantasy baseball league, it's going to be to... Um, I forget exactly what, I guess, field level. I think I promised two field level tickets to, it's either going to be a playoff game, but if they miss the playoffs, it'll just be opening day 2024. So um, yeah, and I'll keep people posted on the football stuff. We're, we'll finalize that hopefully in the next 24 hours, what we'll do with that. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to 
figure out tomorrow. Season's coming up, but it's good that we waited because then you guys won't get screwed over by injuries. But I got LMF here. Tell us a little bit more about this card you're giving away to get people fired up, and maybe we can get another super subscriber. Well, it's a player that is spoken about often uh, on this show, and uh, it's a very nice card. I'm not going to say who it is until we have a winner, but um, someone that is a fan favorite uh, has a monster home run at some point in the last couple years that um, really pushed the Marlins to a win in that game. And, uh, yeah, it's a great, good card. I think Eli knows who it is, but he's one of the secrets in here. So. Is it Nick Fortes? No. Is it Garrett Cooper? No. All right, I won't guess further. All right, what kind of <laughs> questions do we have today? And yeah. we, we don't have a lot of people listening, so ask as many as you'd like. Uh, not so much questions. Well, I do, but let me get a couple points out of the way that I've uh, written down here. Um Week itself, you know, I'm always positive. I was driving with Ryan on the way home last night. Uh, his dad ended up giving me a ride back to Boynton, which really appreciative of that. Um, but they were even saying, dude, for the most positive fan, you're kind of like down today. Uh, yeah, yesterday's loss really like took the wind out of my sails, just more or less the umpiring. Um, I didn't get to see the replay of the pitch, so I'll ask this question. Was that pitch that uh, Robertson threw on TV, if anyone was watching, was that a strike or was it a ball? It was low. Okay, because when you were there, it did not look low, and I, I believe you should have got the benefit of the doubt. Regardless, uh, yesterday's really took the wind out of my sails, but as always, there's still a lot of games left, so um, I believe we are going to finish with at least 84 wins, whether that's a playoff uh, bid or not. Um, that's the type of season we believe that we would get, and um, they're look, or exceeding some people's expectations there. I had them finished in between 75 and 81 wins. So um, anyway, um, I think I, and maybe you guys could join in on this as a question. But um, you, you mentioned you're mentioning Solaire's contract, whether he'll opt in or get um, he probably not opt in, but uh, get the that that a qualifying amount. Um, if the Marlins, they were rumored at least to have conversations with the Royals. What happens first? Do they get the catcher and then make the deal with Solaire if there's any money left? Um, let's say it is uh, Perez. Or um, if they get Perez, is the Solaire deal, do you believe, would be totally out of the picture? I'd go ladder 100%, and that's why I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think the, the back end of Salvador Perez's contract is going to be worth it, the sacrifice bringing back. Jorge Soler, if it's one or the other, I think the org's definitely going Soler. And right now, I've said this a lot in these spaces, that the catcher position right now, offensively, is in a really bad spot across the league. Like, the you would have to pay a premium price to get a really good catcher. I think there's only three like really, really, really good offensive catchers right now. It's Ali Rushman, Jonah Heim, and Sean Murphy. And of course, they could have had Murphy last offseason, but that's besides the point. Um, I just don't think they're going to go pay a premium price for a catcher that might, I mean, maybe hit like 240, like at best, just to go um, sacrifice Jorge Soler. That's what I would say. Yeah. With with Salvi, it's going to be an interesting conversation because he's he's really heavily overpaid. It all depends how much money the Royals are willing to eat or how much they maybe they want to eat in order to save face and get a better return. 
in it. It's a bad, it's a really bad contract. It's not quite as bad as Avi's, all things considered, but it's it's kind of in, it might be in that conversation. It might be in that same general area, if you think about it. As And that's even including, you know, how productive he still is. So I, I think they're going to, um, turn the page on him this offseason, but I've, I have no idea what that's going to look like because that's it's not a big market franchise either. It's not a, one that is really as typically comfortable eating a lot of money just to get out from under something, especially when it's somebody as important as them. I, I, I think that's even though there are, there are very few options out there that seem feasible, I think that is it's still a really unlikely one uh, unless the, the Royals kind of come to terms with where he is at this stage of his career. I, I agree. Um, t- the next would be, I, I believe Birdie should be in short every game at this point. Or Wendell, um, he's too much in a deep streak. He's not coming in. He's not seemingly coming out of it. As you mentioned, it's been since the All-Star break that he's had a two-hit game. And, and it, that bottom of the lineup is just atrocious. Uh, let's say like it is. Do you believe Birdie gets the starts moving forward? I think he he's going to get more of the starts uh, gradually. The longer that this Wendell slump goes on, I think he should get the majority of the starts. The thing is, when you look into his splits, he's just not very productive against right-handed pitching. A lot of his real impact is concentrated against lefties. Against righties, he gets a lot of singles, but he doesn't do much at all beyond those singles. Whereas against lefties, he's kind of He's, he's a more dangerous offensive player. And that's why ideally they wanted to do that platooning between the two of them. It sound, sounded fine in concept. And, and now, unfortunately, Wendell has totally cratered and fallen off a cliff where he's not hitting righties at all either. Um, so I, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I, I said earlier in the show that I, I'd be fine at them turning the page on Wendell and just trying anybody else in that roster spot where it really has reached the point it's been such an extended struggle and such a severe struggle um, with him that I think that should be in play. Um, but I, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't think it's going to happen. And I think it's generally that they're going to split time. And I guess Hampson, now that he's on the roster, Hampson will get occasional starts at shortstop as well. Just it's, it's, it's a really messy situation. It's almost, you could say it's about as bad as the catcher situation, both now and, and moving forward, unfortunately. True that. Um, last thing I'll say, I gotta jump off and finish watching this AEW pay per view. Um, the Marlins better enjoy the couple days off they have in the next two weeks. As, as you mentioned, uh, their next, their last day off for 16 games is September 4th. So starting September 5th, they have 16 straight. That coming off of the 13 straight games that they uh, just had until uh, late last week. So. Uh, hopefully, we get on a winning streak because if they don't get hot now, they're they're going to fall out of it. Um, they're not there yet. I'm not waving the white flag, but uh, hopefully today's minor victory will set us off. So thank you guys and everyone. Go uh, put that three dollars down if you're listening. Go after this card and become a super subscriber. This point forward, minimum three dollars. Of course, if you can donate any more, please do to this young staff. They deserve it. And any money we put into it as listeners, it will go back only to better com- better and more contact content for us. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Let's get louder. Hey, we appreciate it. Uh, we got Sean coming in here now. And we'll take requests from everyone, too. You don't have to be a super subscriber to speak in these spaces. 
Uh, we've only got one right now. Again, it's a shorter show. Uh, did experiment with trying to do this right after the game. Uh, I, I guess we'll go back to no, normal time. I'll have to figure out what my schedule is going to look like back at school. But we got Sean here. Sean, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Um, well, I guess let's keep this question about um, some of the obtainable positive things. Um, Russ's season, if just go around the horn, what do you think is most likely to happen in order out of the Marlins finishing over 500, Solaire taking passing Gary Sheffield for second in homers, or Arias still holding on to the batting title? I would say the most likely of those, I'll still go with Arias and believe in his ability at this moment. Let me just double check this because I know Freddie Freeman had another multi game and, and he's really the only serious threat. Acuna is kind of far enough away that um, I think it's basically a two horse race. Freddie Freeman, three for five today. That made him 351. And Arise just getting the one hit himself is down to 350. So it is, it's close. I'm not saying it's surprisingly close. I kind of anticipated when Arise was flirting with 400. I was saying that he's he's going to finish in the 340s or 350s. And um, yeah, now for him to do that, he's going to come out of the slump a little bit. And I think he will. Um, as LMF mentioned, with still a few off days coming up uh, before this really difficult stretch, maybe that does a little bit. As, as Arise being a guy that has all these little bumps and bruises that he battles through, um, so that, that should help him. I think I, I'm still feeling pretty good about a rise winning that if nothing else, I think it's hard to bet against Freddie Freeman, but I think he's going to slow down a little bit. I feel good about him slowing down and about a rise kind of being close to what he's been for the whole season as a whole. And I think he holds on. That's the one I feel greatest about in terms of Solaire and finishing over 500 Solaire. Is your hypothetical catching Sheffield or passing Sheffield? Uh, passing Sheffield, so 43 or more. <clears throat> I, man, I'm going to still, I'm going to lean towards the, the Marlins finishing above 500 more so than Solaire getting to that number. And I think they're both less than 50%. All Solaire has to do is actually just copy his August into September and he'll reach that number. Um, it's easier said than done uh, with them, especially if they, they remain in this situation where he's one of the few hot hitters on the team. They could pitch around him a little bit more than they've done so far. I mean, for the moment, it's still it's a rise. Well, actually, today it was Josh Bell batting behind him. Nope, it was actually take that back. It was a rise today. Nope, was <laughs> a. I'm looking at the wrong box for it. Yeah, today was Bell behind him. So if they continue having Bell right behind Solaire, I guess that helps his case. And you can say that maybe that is a factor in why he had such a good August on those days of having that protection behind him. Um, I think the batting order is going to have a role in exactly how much Solaire hits and how much teams feel they have to pitch to him. A factor in that being how many lefties he faces too, because his production against lefties has been a lot better than against righties this year. And that's where a disproportionate amount of his home runs come in. So I think, I think it's less than 50%, but a decent possibility. And I'll say the same thing about the Marlins team. I, I think they're going to kind of flirt with winning half of their games the rest of the year and slow the slide a little bit. They're going to be, it's, it's almost a coin flip as to whether or not they reach 500. It's clearly, it's less than a coin flip at this point in terms of making the playoffs. But um, in terms of 500, I, I think that is still 
plausible, just not as plausible as a rise winning the batting title. All right, Sean. Okay, more hey, yeah, appreciate it. Um, um, well, one more, I guess. Then. Um, okay. Yeah, go I've ahead. got you guys on a slow day for so for closer. Now that we're apparently turning the page <laughs> after this morning, do you think it'll be kind of Scott until he, you know, unless he loses it, like Skip will stick with another set guy, or do you think he'll just really alternate now between Scott and Nardi the rest of the way? It'll be mostly Scott. I think overwhelmingly Scott, unless on days when he's not available to pitch. Um, and even in yeah, between the two, they are there are some similarities between them, other than Scott has done this job more often, dating back to last year. So I, I think it's predominantly Scott. I would agree that Nardi is probably next in line. Um, it's good to see AJ Puck kind of straightening himself out, but still not looking quite as trustworthy as he was early in the year. So I don't think he's going to vulture any saves, but yeah. So, so it'll be mostly Scott as the closer at this point forward. Um, Just a really unfortunate turn of events. We'll see how Robertson now Robertson has plenty of experience and plenty of positive success as a setup guy before. Like he's not a guy where his entire self-worth is tied up into being a closer. There are some players like that, that once you remove them from being a closer, you kind of lose their trust altogether and lose their effectiveness too, because it it just gets, it's such a big part of their identity. But Robertson isn't quite in that category. So I am still, I I still think Robertson's going to be a kind of valuable piece of the bullpen the rest of the year. Um, it, but it does seem like he's not going to get any closer shots moving forward unless something really unusual happens that presses him into duty. So, yeah, I'm mean, hopefully going to a less intense role and simply having time to kind of sort out whatever is going wrong with him helps. But, yeah, mostly Tanner Scott moving forward. Any other questions? No, all set. Thanks. I'll I'll shut up and listen to the next guy. I think our next might be our last, so we'll take last calls on any requests. We'll we'll bring in Sharif to possibly round us out here. Maybe maybe tonight I'll get some of the boys to do uh, just answer some questions per bit. Maybe we do it tomorrow on the off day. I don't know, but uh, well, the reason why we do this is because I, I want to hear what you guys have to, to say. But uh, we'll, we'll have Sharif take us home here. Sharif, uh, what are your questions? Um, first of all, good evening um, to everyone. Love you all, guys. Uh, appreciate the work you continue to do for this community. Um, today, I, I think with 38 games or left or so, um, it's time to call things out here. Uh, I think the walks are Brett Brown. I know he wants the guys to swing in the zone, but um, I've seen too many advice by Jazz, number one, and Louis Arias. Um, they have to be telling him that they're pitching him inside, and most of the pitches he's swinging at at 3-1 would have been a wall. I've seen it in several at-bats. Um, so Jazz and Lewis, they're not taking walks, and it's because, I don't know, when they look at the skip in the dugout, and I don't know what green light he's giving them, but even yesterday, we I think Jazz could have given us a better at-bat with 3 nothing. And um, he looked at Skip. I don't know what Skip told him, but I, w- I don't want to put this all on Skip. 
because our pitching starters haven't really been there. And moving on to batter bats, yes, I just mentioned that speed. Um, if 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 Kim is looking at this with forty games left, I think she has to take her final lunge shot by bringing up Edwards. Um, I think we need speed at the top. We need to be. I, I think when we've come back in games, it's because of tappers to second base where we cause disruption with speed. Uh, and I just think that um, you're asking, Brett Brown is asking to hit these pitches that are in the zone. And I, just, I just think teams are, as, they, as teams come into us playing us in the series, they, they know that. Um, and so maybe speed uh, actually breaks that down when you put the ball in play and that causes teams to have to, because I've seen the shift even work on a rise when he hits the ball to right field. He's hitting it right to the first baseman now. So taking walks, better at bats. I don't know if that's a Brett Brown thing, but you're going to have to blame Skip for it. Um, I love what I'm seeing from Sandy and Yuri. Uh, I think Sandy could use more of the curve. I see him using a little more of the curve, but use even more, Sandy. Um, and yeah, that's... Uh, that's my outlook on it. I've watched the game today. Good um, move. I, I'm actually happy that I was happy that our Robertson was blown up because I think we need to make this decision now um, and um, put him either in the sixth inning and let uh, Tanner Scott actually do what, he, what he's proven um, up to this time that he can do, which is be our closer. So thank goodness for him blowing us up so we can put him in a better role for our team. Uh, but thank you, guys. It, it, there is something to be said uh, on that last point about Robertson getting blown up where in a lot of these blown saves, it is, especially when somebody has a really long track record and they were extremely effective even earlier this year, it's hard. You can be stubborn in terms of leaving them in their role and not want to admit that somebody isn't exactly built out to um, do the job that you brought them in to do. But when he has a game like he had, where it starts off with a very hard hit triple that Jazz almost saved him. I mean, the game could have gone in, in a very different direction. Um, they could have won the game. And if Jazz makes that catch, but it was such a difficult play. And it was the fault of Robertson for even putting that in in the situation. And even though they give up the winning run on the pass ball by Stallings, between that first hit, the hit by pitch in the middle, like he, there was it was black and white in terms of like Robertson just not getting the job done the way that you would expect him to um, against the quality of competition that he was facing in this Nats team that he should be able to, per, at the very least, you know, prevent, keep the game going in, instead of allowing multiple runs in that situation. It was the kind of performance that just hammers home that you need to try for something better than this, considering that he's now had several of these games like this with hard contact, poor control, and putting you in a situation where um, even teams that aren't like super committed to winning right now can still get the best out of you. So it was good to have some clarity on that, even though it was obviously disappointing uh, for everybody involved. And he, Sharif did mention uh, pretty rightly that a lot of Arise's issues right now have to do with being extremely aggressive and undisciplined. He's only drawn one walk this entire month of August. August is almost over. Throughout the season, he's been aggressive at swinging at pitches, but there have been times where when he gets into a very favorable count 
and then he gets a pitch that's out of the zone there. There had been some willingness to take pitches earlier in the year and take occasional walks. And when that part is missing and opponents know that you're not going to be willing to take your walks under any circumstances, that's when it's it's easier to, to get to you, no matter how talented you are. So that's been a part of it. And it's been a part of it with Jazz too. The last thing I'll mention with Jazz, I think his center field defense continues to exceed expectations. He's been a very good defensive center fielder this year. Um, and if the bar that he set offensively wasn't so high, maybe people would look at his season a little differently. Um, for, it, it does feel like they have a center fielder for beyond this year as well, if he's willing to stay in that spot and depending what other roster decisions that they make. But now the problem is that offensively, he's below average offensive player. Uh, and especially when it comes to as a hitter. So this was a tough weekend for Jazz offensively. Um, that there were stretches in between his injuries where if you put the stats together in a certain way, it made it look pretty terrific. Um, but then recently, it's it's been another really poorly timed slump from him. And he continues to bat in the top half of the order. Even if it's not at leadoff, he's getting a lot of plate appearances. He's not doing very much with them during the last couple of weeks. We've mentioned it before that he was going to be such an a crucial piece of this team sustaining and staying afloat in the second half to finally get some decent offense from the center field position that they just hadn't really had when he was out. And unfortunately, like he's just not hitting at the level that he's capable of um, so far. So I, yeah, there's, I think they tried out the leadoff spot and I think some of the concerns about that were fair um, that it really doesn't fit his, his uh, batted ball profile and his whole, mindset as a hitter they shouldn't be batting leadoff but he's still going to hit pretty high up in the order especially when they're facing right-handed pitching and i i just don't know exactly what to expect anymore now that we're pretty deep into this year and you just look back at his overall numbers and they kind of fit his career numbers rather than fitting his 22 2022 numbers and that's a pretty significant step back for this team yeah and you know i look at when that sign was given to Jazz at 3-0. And I think Skip realized at that point, Eli, uh, this guy is going to hit the ball either over the fence or it's going to rattle up against the wall. And so he even probably knew, like what you were saying, it's not in Jazz's overall career fit um, to do that. And I think he just changed him back today. So in that instance, I was like, yeah, if you're telling Jazz have the green light with this 3-0 and you want him to bang the ball hard like that, he, he shouldn't be in. He shouldn't be in the leadoff. And um, he and Jazz, um, I'm sure you're going to be probably listening to these. You need to snatch the ball like a Venus flytrap. It's not second base where you you can gradual, you know, gradually grab, gradually grab the ball. If the snatch, he, it was in his glove, Eli. And um, the third thing, three guys stormed the clubhouse, um, protected their bodies, obviously, but they. Sandy, um, recently Birdie, and I think Garrett. Um, that team meeting, guys, um, it was supposed to be coming out of that team meeting is I'll hand off the at-bat if I can't do it in this at-bat, which insinuates a walk or, or if I fall off until I can walk. And, um, it just hasn't been that way. What do you guys think about the team meeting and then what has happened since? Thank you again, guys. In terms of yeah, those team meetings, yeah, 
it's, it was a certainly a different one than the one last year in the first half of last season that has become kind of infamous for the fact that it didn't actually resolve anything. It's It's been an interesting um, test. This this whole stretch has been an interesting test for Skip Schumacher, considering how highly regarded I think everybody held him after that first half of the season. And now the surprising number of messages I receive of people questioning whether or not they, they even like him, whether or not they, they're even confident in him next year, which is the only sec- remaining guaranteed year of his deal and how he's tried to overcome what is kind of very unusual struggles for him. Some, even as a player, he was a guy that wasn't on a ton of teams that had these kind of prolonged struggles in the middle of a regular season and how he's tried to address that. I, I Yeah, I think they have... I think you could say that he's been um, a little bit, he hasn't necessarily gone out of his way to uh, get to create tension with the players or to, uh, I don't know if he's really shown like a huge sense of urgency during the stretch. That's probably something that a lot of us take exception to is that things are going pretty poorly, especially with a lot of the same players that were having success in the first half. And yet you don't really see that sense of urgency to them slipping from the top wildcard spots. Now slipping a couple of games out of the final spot um, from him. But even from the outside, it, it is, it's hard to necessarily say what's the right way to go about fixing this and the right way to get everybody on the same page. Um, and in terms of doing those little things, right. But it is, yeah, it's not just on him. It probably goes, you could extend that to a lot of the coaching staff as well, that we give them a lot of credit for coming up with clutch hits early in the year. And now at this stage of the season, they've just gone back to really struggling in key situational areas. It's not only on Jazz. It's, I think you could point to the majority of the players on this roster that have come up in important situations and not put together great quality at-bats, not made productive outs when it was important for them to do so. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's really frustrating. Um, but I don't know if, yeah, it's, it's, this is kind of when you have a rookie manager uh, that's in this situation for the first time, um, yeah, he's got to explore what it is the best way to get out of this situation for however, whatever solutions he's trying to come up with. And the team is trying to come up with, um, I think what they're going through now will serve them better next year moving forward, even though there are a couple prominent players on this roster, that could be gone in free agency or via trade during the offseason. There's going to be a lot of continuity on this roster, too. So it, it seems that what they've been trying to do hasn't really worked to pull themselves out of this extended slump. Um, that being said, I think it does serve them well moving forward uh, to go through something like this, to recognize what was what they were doing in the good times versus the bad times, and uh, yeah, try to apply that moving forward to be more consistent next year because this inconsistency, this is what really drives people crazy. Um, when you zoom out and you see that this team is over 500 with barely a month to go, um, that would have exceeded a lot of expectations coming into this year. But when you see that um, the team that was doing so many of the little things well early on, all of a sudden is not doing them at the most important times, it kind of uh, drives you crazy, I can imagine. Any other questions, Sharif? No, I'm good. Um, I think we're all generally behind Skip. Um, we're behind you, Skip. Um, you know, Kim has done a fantastic job, I believe, by locking up a nucleus for the next few years. 
particularly in the fifth year of, uh, I think, Burger. So um, um, also, Burger, I think I think we need to get 10, 15 pounds off you because there's some plays you could make at third base that you're just you're wallowing over to it and you're just not quick enough. I'm just going to be honest, guys. Oh, thank you. Can I say something before Sharif goes? That's all muscle. Like that's not that's not fat. That's all mu- like you have to see him and when you see him in person, maybe on the screen he looks like he's fat, bro. All that is all muscle. Like, like when you see him, maybe a little bit of fat on the side, but dude, that's all muscle. Like I'll tell you, that's all muscle. Like this dude is a built guy. Like he literally throws it from side arm because he can't throw the ball over his arm because he's just like it's just it's just gonna be. It, yeah, man, it's, this dude is built like. He is built like a like a bodybuilder type build. If he kept on putting the work in like that, like honestly, like he's not fat. Like he just, he might maybe lose some pounds. Maybe not hit the weight room a little bit, but that's why he can hit the ball so hard. Is because when he does swing and he gets contact with it, all that muscle gets the ball out and into the outfield. Romeo's right. Burger's a little shorter. Like he's only like I'm pretty short, and he's only like a few inches taller than me. If he was like Solaire or Josh Bell's height, he would look like one of them. I, I'll agree with Romeo there. Oh, Romeo's here. He's going to round up the show now. Um, he is a super subscriber. We'll, we'll cut it off there. So what do we got tonight, Romeo? I just want to thank God himself for letting me be able to breathe the same air as Brian Owing and Andrew Nardi. Yeah, he, those two, as much as people hate, not hate on and on Owing, but I know that he isn't going to be a high leverage guy. I know he isn't going to be... This all-time starter, but man, that guy has, that guy is, has, has that dog in him. And if Scott is shaky in the ninth, I'm giving Andrew Nardi the ninth inning, man. That guy has been nothing but nails since he figured out what mechanical issue he had from 2022. Like that guy is actually like a, like a, a, when he comes out and that walk-up song starts playing, it puts a smile on my face when I see Andrew Nardi walk out. Like they, like that 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 does like he's he's so good man. It's, it's just I know it's been a bad week, but you, you, as much as you can like critique the bad, you also gotta look at the good. And that was those two those Brian Hoing pitched really good today. Was really one of the bigger reasons that we won today. I know he gave up that double, <laughs> and then some other stuff happened that he gave up one run. But I want to like go back and look at some of his um last outings besides the Braves outing and what his ERA would be because I know that he is playing and he also comes out that bullpen so if he gives up one run and gets three outs that ERA is going to inflate but when he's a starter I wonder I want I need to go look at what his ERA would end up being because that guy that guy is he's, he's good like I, there's nothing else that you could put out for for Brian Hoeing. he's a good pitcher and I'm glad that and I hope that he stays because he could be a good spot starter long relief type of guy for us for a good a good while that's that's what I'm seeing from him. Yeah, I don't know if people remember this, but Hoeing was essentially DFA'd at the end of last season. They call it a DFA when it's usually during the season, but when it's in the middle of the offseason, he was simply outrighted off the roster, and nobody claimed him. He went unclaimed is the easiest way to say it at the end of last season. That's how low his stock was, kind of understandably, because of how much he struggled in the big leagues and how limited prospect pedigree he had. And that's definitely not going to be the case this time. He's, he has value on the 40-man roster for somebody that still has minor league options beyond the season, for somebody that has the versatility to handle a few different roles um, where he can dial it up a little bit more if he knows he's only going to pitch one inning. 
where he's comfortable inheriting runners when he needs to, and he can go comfortably two times through an order. He's one of those many players in limbo where if you push him a third time through the order, it's probably going to end poorly. What he did today, that was kind of the perfect way to utilize him, um, where he had one kind of shaky inning, and even then he limited the damage to just a single run, and then from there on, matched his season high with strikeouts and just generally got a lot of ground balls. So he has, yeah, he's been... Uh, a nice piece to have in this organization. Uh, oh, you know what? I forgot to, we haven't mentioned in this show that George Soriano is on paternity leave. So congratulations to him on the birth of his child. I'll be curious to see. I imagine he'll be back on Tuesday. Usually with paternity leave, it's only a few days. And so at this point it's been three days with him. So I'll be curious to see if he's back. That just goes back to the September call up conversation where people want all these new guys to come up, but they have, they're going to carry extra pitchers because they have more than 13 interesting guys. So just one thing to keep in mind, one guy that was not part of this weekend was George Soriano for very good personal reasons, but he'll be back on the roster very soon. And he, he even more so than hoeing is that type of guy that's improved his stock this year. That's shown his versatility. They'll have to make room for him on this roster as well. Going down the stretch. You don't think those is DFA Tommy Nance? I, that's an option. Yeah, that, that's an option. Yeah, well, they don't have to DFA him. They could actually option Nance. He still has one option to go. Yeah, so I think it's pretty clear that that is the most likely corresponding move. Yeah, assuming that Soriano is back on Tuesday, the fact that they haven't even used Nance, including today, they had a bullpen game and their most well-rested reliever wasn't used. I think that was pretty telling. So that would be my prediction. Yeah, that Nance goes down as soon as Soriano is back, likely on Tuesday. So. Are we, we're going to end up predicting that it'll just be one. It'll be one and one for both of the position for uh, the September call-ups. One pitcher and one uh, yeah. one outfield player. Um, if they do, like this seems they get weird with it a little bit. If they were to go with let's say two pitchers or two position players, who would you guys believe those two position players or two pitchers would be? Just. I seen Kim like seven times today. Another little fun fact: she was walking around the stadium with someone. Um, we mentioned it at the top of the show, but um, I, I we really don't see a world where there's going to be two position players just because they really need someone to fill out innings. My belief would be that it's going to be one on one with Edwards and whatever pitcher they decide, whether it be like a mid tier reliever to just fill some innings or another starter, and maybe go six man or something like that, but. I'd, I wouldn't 100% rule out two pitchers being called up. I mean, I don't think it's likely, but I wouldn't rule it out. I, I think a one-on-one is probably going to be standard for most teams. It would be Edwards and someone else if I had to guess. Yeah, and it's really not calling up a pitcher. It's just bringing a pitcher back. It's Soriano from paternity leave, and that's going to be Cueto from the IL. We think that he's going to be back when he's eligible uh, next weekend. So if that is not the case, then maybe there's – interesting possibilities if, if Cueto has some sort of setback that makes him but it's it wasn't even an injury with him it was a viral situation where it was an illness rather than an injury so with him coming back it's just that there's a lot of pitchers to use we could take this opportunity just to shout out Troy Johnson who had another home run today this is 24th of the year he has 111 RB 109 RBIs in 111 games this year in the minors. If he played any other position other than first base, they would have room for him. But being a first base only guy, um, that's 
that's the reality with him where he's going to have to, unless there is a surprising injury at the very end, or unless they do something very bold with Yuli Gurriel and, and sit him down or get rid of him, then I think Troy just has to wait for the offseason to be selected to the 40-man roster. How is Troy's defense? I feel like that's the question. That's the thing that they, that's wrong with Bell in the ninth inning when they the last three days, or the last time that they go into the ninth, they bring in Gurriel to pitch to come in and to, or like play that defense role. So I, I, I don't, I wouldn't put him as a clear upgrade over bell. I'll put it that way. It's not, it's not the strength of his game because actually he used to be an outfielder before he went to the minors. And so he's not even a totally natural first baseman. They would not call him up as a defensive replacement. They would just call him up. Um, on the hitting side, if there was any at bats available to him, but there just aren't those at bats available. And before I, before we go, I, I'll leave it with this. So we're like 100% thinking that it's Edward, uh, Xavier Edwards coming up on September 1st? Or like 99%, do you think, 99%. Do you think that they shocked the world ever and bring, and not, because they're, and you guys finish that Troy's not coming up. But Dane is there. 40, man. Yeah, has Dane been good since he went back down? He had a home run yesterday. He's been decent. He's been decent. He's not as red hot as he was before the call, but he's still fine. Um, yeah, with him, it's just another. There's only so many spots that you have to fiddle with here. And considering how much he was struggling before he got sent down, um, I think that's it's a long shot. It's a possibility, but it's kind of a long shot for Dane to come back. I like that guy. He's a good. He's he has to be the unluckiest player on, on, in in all of baseball. Like honestly, like that guy was getting like ninety plus, like ev- like off the bat, and every and it was just a glove every time. And like he, he, he was like at the back end, he was striking out a little bit, but like yeah, he was just yeah. His girlfriend slash wife, I don't know what the relation is, was in this space for quite a while. Fiance. Beyonce, okay, yeah. yeah I, I believe so. Keep up with the personal lives of the market. No, I think it's his wife. But her name is Mallory Myers. Yeah. Mallory's a nice lady. She's a nice, nice lady. She likes baseball, too. Congratulations right. to them as well. I know this happened a while back, but they're also having a kid. So, hope you guys have a good time. I love you guys. Uh, become a super subscriber for $3. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's all it is. You get perks. You get to join them fantasy leagues. I'm getting smacked, but yeah. All right. Well, we'll go out on that. Appreciate everyone for listening in. Make sure to keep up with all the content. I think Sharif wanted to bring up one final thing at the end here before we go out. Let him go ahead. Yeah, I forgot about this, guys. But what are your thoughts on Fortes calling the games, the change from him with Yuri? Uh, Seeing the change, obviously, the last three times. Falling was using with Yuri. I think uh, Fortes isn't helping himself by the way he calls Garrett late in games, the third time round in batters. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I, I apologize, but I thought that was important. I don't know how much of it is about Fortes as much as it is the matchups they were facing. I was excited to have him face the Dodgers because he was getting into this pattern where Yuri was so dependent on just two pitches, his fastball and his slider. And when he faced more left-handed batters, that makes him kind of utilize the full depth of his arsenal. And because he was able to do that against the Dodgers, even being at the platoon advantage 
like he's been amazing against lefties this year because his curveball is unhittable and his changeup, even though he still doesn't use it as much as I'd like, is is also an extremely good pitch when it's on. He could in both of those outings against the Dodgers uh, a week ago and then just last night against the Nationals. The Nationals are the same way, where that lineup was pretty heavy on left-handed hitters, and he was incredible against them in those situations. I, I think a lot of it was those matchups and how they dictated what Fortes would call just based on who the opposing hitters were. So I'll, I'll keep it brief and say that I think it had more to do with matchups than it had to do with the differences in the catchers. Uh, yeah, the weird complication is that Stallings has now been the hotter hitter than Fortes has been um, recently. And actually, we, we should clarify that it was Stallings that was catching yesterday instead of uh, Fortes. So I wanted to clarify that. It actually was Stallings yesterday who was calling the pitches. Yes, thank you. Yeah, because I, I see um, where Fortes may be saying, let's milk this just in general. And I see uh, Stalling saying, um, you also have this third and this fourth pitch. Let's try these. And if you don't have them, we'll try to have three that you can work with. And I just see Stal- the, um, Fortes telling Garrett, let's just work with, with heart. And, and I just saw the Washington Nationals timing that up, that curve, that nice curve that he had. And they, they just timed it up in the sixth inning. All right, I guess we can head out on that. For those who are still left, make sure you turn in the, tune in to all content this week. Maybe later in the week we'll do another fan question thing since we only got to a few people. But thank you all for tuning in, and uh, enjoy the rest of your night.